Good afternoon and welcome to the Stony Radio. This is Susie Lodge. I'm here on the Wiki Mama Takeover here every Wednesday. Well, I say most Wednesdays, actually. Um, every Wednesday between one and two, uh, talking about all things parenting, uh, all things career, uh, the rise, the falls of business and all the everything in between. Uh, last week, actually, I wasn't here because I was in Eurocamp, which was amazing. Had just such a great time. Went to France um, and have to say, um, of course, camping with three children has like a, quite a few drawbacks. And uh, camping and a nine hour journey in the car from Calais to the Vendée is a bit stressful. But it was a brilliant, brilliant holiday. And I, I, I actually highly recommend it. Um, from a cost point of view, I think it might be around 300, 400 pounds for a week. So it's not like a silly, crazy price. You know, it's not in the thousands like it can be to go on holiday for a week abroad. Um, and we just had such a good time. We went to uh, Clary de Pla- Clarisse de Plage, I think it's called, or Le Clarisse Plage. Um, and it was just great. An absolutely enormous swimming pool. The kids had the time of their lives. I think it was, it was great. We just were able to afford them some... Um, freedoms that we had never actually been able to afford the children before so Tilda only seven so we were allowed her to kind of go off a little bit and do some different things to usual but Jacob especially he's nine and he we gave him the opportunity to go like he found these a big group of friends and of course I'm a bit of a you know control freak so I had them tracked with air tags the entire time all three of them um, but we were able to let him go off with his friends to different parts of the park and to really, um, you know, to get a sense of, indiv- you know, independence. And it was it was really, really nice. Um, and there were things, there were little drawbacks about the whole thing. Um, I think we probably didn't have the biggest caravan for five people to bash about in. Um, and we found that there wasn't an awful lot of space around where we were particularly staying. But I have to say, overall, I absolutely loved it. We had amazing weather and good weather vitamin d just really does a lot to cheer you up doesn't it so so that was last week and that's why i wasn't here and i hope you had a lovely half term whatever you got up to um i will definitely go there again but it means i didn't get to catch up with anybody i don't know what anybody did um so i'm i'm sure lots of people have uh, uh, lots of things so if you want to text in and let us know what you did in the holidays if you've got any questions for my guest and i who i'm going to introduce in just a second um then please do dial in or text us on 07391 um and i think you're Anybody listening now will be listening live and that number is actually on the screen. So please um, take a look at that. And if you want to text in, that would be great. Just going to take this opportunity to say hello to Helen. Helen Horrell. Hello, Helen. (laughs) Hello, Susie. How are you? Really well. Thank you for having me here today. Oh, you're so welcome. Um, I'm really excited to deep dive into conversation with you about our topic today is... um, something very close to my heart certainly very close to Helen's um, and we are going to go deep into severe anxiety and how that uh, even comes about and and how it impacts your life and how it impacts business decisions and everything else so we're going to go deep into that mm-hmm. um, but let's start with talking about half term what did you get up mm. to in half term um, we stayed close to home we were we live in Stony um, but 
we had a few days out so I've got two boys um and yeah we kind of just did parks playgrounds we did a couple of big trips out we went to Warwick Castle lovely which was really nice oh my gosh they had so much on for kids it was fantastic and they're really into their history at the moment they're doing lots of history topics at school so they really loved that there was a jousting competition on so you could watch the whole reenactment there was lots of role play going even just that kind of impromptu as you were walking around the castle so that was fantastic and then we did another day actually where we went to um Hampton Court Palace they had a horrible histories live on oh I love horrible histories they are obsessed with it at the Mm -hmm. moment they love horrible histories so we went and watched the horrible histories live and then while we were there we took a tour around the castle and sorry around the palace and one thing I would say actually that I didn't think my kids would love that they absolutely loved was the audio guides really yeah Ah. I've always kind of put them to one side and thought "Mm, not really for them they love them brilliant so top tip good to know um they could have spent hours in Hampton Court Palace. In fact, it was us dragging them outside because they wanted to go from room to room and learn about the rooms. They do really family-friendly audio guides that make yeah. them quite fun. So, yeah, two really nice days out and then on, enjoyed the weather, really. Amazing. Yeah. I would love to know from our live listeners if... Um, uh, they would if their children would actually be the same because I just don't know that mine would. Lily's four. I'm not sure that she would be involved with a um, get involved with an audio. But Tilda, I think she's it's a funny fish. She might not either. <laughs> but I can imagine Jacob actually being quite in, you know quite enjoying that. So. The boys thought that they it felt like they had their own iPhone, their own device because they can choose the, what they're listening to, and because the audio is really kind of fun that's what they loved about it mm. so as I, like I said I was skeptical at first I thought oh, I'll get bored after five minutes three hours later I was trying to rip it off them amazing yeah that is a really good tip I like I love how you both of those things were more um sort of cultural visits weren't they both Warwick Castle yeah. and um Hampton Court Palace because I think sometimes people steer away from those sorts of destinations thinking that the children aren't going to get mm. as in- interested as, a, as if they were at a theme park or at something which is obviously more yeah um obvious yeah kind of obvious fun but, I suppose. That, but those sorts of um yeah. places the kids and the adults love just as much love them. yeah yeah really nice um the thing is with those places as well they're quite big aren't they so you get quite a lot of um chance to run off some energy as well and if you've got boys completely like, i have a boy and he mm-hmm. makes up all the energy for everybody so he needs to be run like a dog yeah you know like he's you know they have loads such, of space they need that to to run yeah. off don't they and that's I, I love that sort of space that you get in those places yeah um it did remind me of something that i did in the summer last year actually when you mentioned horrible histories because that is such a brilliant program mm. and I think a bit of a saviour during lockdown um, the horrible histories um, and it just reminded me but um, in, in May last year we went to something brilliant which is a spin-off of the horrible histories which is called Terrible Thames oh. it is um, I can't it's a, basically it's a, a, at Embankment I think um, the huge um boat you basically get on a huge boat and they sing songs and tell you the history of the thames and you go up and down underneath all of the main bridges under london bridge oh, wow. under tower bridge past um you know the london dungeons past yeah. the past the tower of london yeah up to um 
uh what's it called um parliament buildings all of those it, and you hear and learn so much it was yeah. absolutely fascinating not stupid price either but you get a boat trip you get a trip to london you get horrible histories the songs are fabulous yeah. and really catchy yeah um, you see the sites you, you get to see the site and you learn so much yeah. uh, jacob again was just absorbing so much of that it mm. was i think it did rain on the day so a bit of a tip is to make sure you've got a poncho even in the summer <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. one of those horrible plastic Good old british day out plastic yeah, sunglasses yeah. and a poncho just in case <laughs> absolutely brilliant though for the summer and i highly recommend and anything that that group are doing as well because they also have um some live performances in theaters yeah well this is the one this was an outdoor show but ah. it was a one hour horrible histories live brilliant show. so that was really why we were going to see but, that but yeah but then they said oh can we go inside the palace while we're here amazing yeah, okay. so, oh really good yeah. tips thank you um and so other things that are going on um this week is actually obviously this show is run from stony stratford in york house and um this week is stony live so i'm sure everybody's aware of that who's in stony but if you're not it is stony live right now which means that there's live music on most nights of the week in all of the uh, eateries and pubberies <laughs> across the across the village and um obviously culminating in i think it's the riverside fair on saturday and folk on the green on sunday which is just amazing yeah. I always love it. Are you going to the Folk on the Green? We will be. You will we'll be. We'll be there. Amazing. Yeah. Um, I definitely want to pop in. I'm running an event at Frost because their beach is opening. So I'm going to run an event there for an hour across the after, across the lunchtime. But I want to come back. And uh, and one of our very own, Hannah, who was on last ah. the last podcast, um, she's actually got a stall there this year. Oh, so amazing. she's going to be there. Did so, I see something about glitter as well? I'm sure I saw something about there'll be glitter. She's doing festival hairdos with glitter. Is she? Yes. That sounds ace. Yes, I'm there. <laughs> yeah. I'm there. With bells on and <laughs> glitter. So, yeah. So, obviously, Folk on the Green this weekend, absolutely amazing. A big weekend. And don't do not do what I've done before. I think you'll go down the, in the evening because actually it finishes at five usually. <laughs> I definitely went down the first few years I lived here in Stony. We wandered down after five thinking it's an evening thing. It's a festival. Obviously, it's going to be on till late. Done. No, it's not. <laughs> we, we went to help them clear up one year, <laughs> which is pants. So, you don't want to do that. Um Anyway, it's so lovely to have you, Helen. Um, you. We're going to go into our first song um, uh, because I feel like this really... Oh, I love that song. Um, mm. So that's Gabrielle. Yesterday, actually, I went down a little Gabrielle rabbit hole. Um, a friend of mine sent me the song that we're going to play at the very end of this session. And it just really touched me. And I'm not going to say what it is now. I'm going to save it because it was just such a great song. And I think it's... Gabrielle's got a lot of nostalgia hasn't it attached to it especially for women of our age <laughs> women of a certain age um and not just women but obviously when we were younger i remember i feel like for some reason gabrielle watching eastenders being at school they all seem to yeah, like top of the pops yeah top of the pops it all <laughs> yeah, seems to be the tops. same sort of time like when i think about it it sort of pangs back to these sorts of real nostalgic feelings that i can feel in my tummy okay. um i'm really so excited to have you here today um and i say excited in a in a in a way that i just love the fact that we're going to talk about what we're going to discuss today because it's and i really hope that it resonates um and captures some people who listen back to the podcast mm -hmm. so helen welcome again thank, thank you so much for being here um helen you have been through a an enormous journey throughout your life um and 
throughout your career and where you are today is again at a kind of crossroads I suppose so I'm kind of going in at the very end but we're mm-hmm. going to go back to the start and figure out how all this came about mm-hmm. so what's interesting is that you are at a crossroads because you have taken pivot um, and pivot and pivot and pivot again built your own business the slowdown collective which you can tell us all about in a moment mm-hmm. um, and also then in the last six months or so you've taken another pivot haven't mm-hmm. you you have again like gone deep into your soul and really figured out who, who it is and what it is that you want to be about mm-hmm. and, and what really makes you sing mm-hmm. and you've taken another huge change of direction which also lends itself very much to the whole concept of the slowdown collective mm-hmm. because it's now going into a whole area of service and support for people who need yeah. the things and the reason the slowdown collective yeah. all came about and i think that your story is so important because I think that so many times we're afraid to make these pivots. Mm-hmm. I think that people out there as well in business feel like once, once they've chosen a business that it's difficult to throw that sort of idea or put it down, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and as if yes. it's actually, well, why have I gone down that route and spent so much time on that if I'm going to now make this big change? And I really want to hear your story because I think you're going to inspire people to continually look inside themselves for the thing that for their final calling almost yeah. and yeah. this may not be your final final calling yeah. this is just where you are on your path today but I think mm-hmm. it's such a departure from some of the um career decisions and placements and businesses mm-hmm. that you've set up before yeah. that it feels like it's a big change it and is. one that is an enormous one but I think one that suits you so well mm-hmm. and I love the fact that when you were sat around my kitchen table discussing where the hell next that this was one of the ideas that came up and you know you asked me for ideas and reassurance and I pushed you into that as well and I love the fact that I was part of that journey absolutely so much (laughs) again let's start with um not from the very beginning but let's just say what is the slowdown collective the business that you are attached to right now that Mm -hmm. you support yeah so the slowdown collective is a business that i set up during lockdown it was an idea that had been in my head for a little while actually um but lockdown really gave me the time to be able to kind of bring it into the world um and It is a business that is born out of my experiences of overwhelm and anxiety, which is what we'll talk more about, um, because I wanted to find a way to help other women um, find moments to slow down and prioritise themselves. And so the Slowdown Collective was kind of born out of those experiences and was and is um, a place to get some resources on how to live life at a slower pace. Um, and we did at one point offer subscription boxes and wellness boxes and um, actual products full of kind of wellness goodies to um yeah help people kind of take a moment for themselves but it's morphed over time more into um a space where I really just kind of document um well my walking at the moment but also document my experiences with anxiety and hopefully a space where people can um kind of relate to the things that I'm talking about because I 
always come from a place of lived experience. That's the only place I can ever talk from. You know, the fact that I have lived with anxiety and panic attacks for a long time. And yeah, I, I, the more I kind of stopped and looked around me, the more I saw that there was a lot of people of a similar age and stage perhaps that were also very close to reaching the point of burnout. Mm-hmm. And it was trying to find a way to speak to those people to say, um, look, there is a different way. There is a different way of living and being in this world. And you don't always have to go at everybody else's pace. And pace is something that I'd like to maybe come back to because I think we forget that we can dictate the pace of our own lives mm-hmm. sometimes. I think that's so hard. Yeah. I, I think... I was thinking this very same thing on holiday last week, sat there, you know, on a lounger, watching the children play and having the time of their lives. And I said to Rob, I literally like turned around to him and I said, there's got to be a better way. Yeah. I don't understand why is my life the way it is yeah. when we're at home? If it's like this here, why does it have to be like that exactly. at home? And and when I say that, I, I don't un- mean it unkindly, but it's a little relentless, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not is. always fun. Yeah. And it's like, we have one shot at this. Mm-hmm. So why does it have to be a hundred miles an hour all the time? Why does it feel like if it's less than that, I'm not on top of it? Mm-hmm. Why, why can I not seem to keep up, hold things up, keep things moving forward? Why does everything have to be mm-hmm. constantly and it, and move forward? Exactly. Why the momentum? Exactly. Why? I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm posing the question, not necessarily to you, but like, but I, and, I, and I'm not sure there is an answer, but why think, do you think we are where we are, like, in this? What's happened? I think there is... I don't remember my mum being like this. No, no. And this way of women living and working is something that hasn't been, we haven't seen that modelled mm-hmm. by our parents or by yeah. our aunties or other women that, are around, that were around us because that, there wasn't that level of expectation at that point in time. Yeah. You know, we've been told that we can be everything and do everything and that gives us incredible kind of momentum and freedom and yes, we can take on the world. Yeah. But actually, there's lots of parts of modern society that still hasn't actually caught up. So there is still the expectation that, um, the women, mums, will do the majority of the domestic chores. So how can we be everything and achieve all we want to with our careers as well as do all of the things that are still mm. traditionally, in some cases, expected of us? Yeah. And so I think we are in a place where, and it's not just women, but we are in a society where we can achieve what we want to achieve, which is great, but we are quite often spinning a million plates and we're living in a very, very fast-paced world. The fact that we have on-demand TV, on-demand, I want it right now, you know, we have, I mean, in Stony Stratford, we've got robots that can deliver, you know, shopping to our doors within 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. We've got all of these things that we can click our fingers. We've got Amazon that can deliver to us by 10 p.m. every day. We've got all these things. Sometimes that's not quick enough. And that's not quick enough. I want it now in an Mm -hmm. hour. So we're in this on-demand society. Yeah. And actually, I truly believe that our bodies haven't caught up with that. As humans, we are not designed to work and live at that pace. And so something has got to give. And in my case, it was my health that gave. Yeah. You know, and it was actually, I probably had all the signs of burnout that I could see, actually looking back, yeah, really obvious signs of burnout. Mm. But it wasn't until I had a 
um so what were they what were those signs of burnout before you were going to get to what the a was but what do you what do you think were the obvious signs of burnout? i mean physical exhaustion yeah. so just feeling tired all the time and i think we can always go oh I'm, I'm so tired and almost there is a little bit of a badge of honor with oh i stayed up so late and i got up so early aren't mm. i brilliant actually it's not a badge of honor at all to be yeah. tired and to be overwhelmed it you know these are fundamental things as human beings that we mm. need and I, um, I, I totally agree i think there's a thing there where managing all the things has become something that you tend to feel proud of like mm-hmm. if somebody says to me gosh you do so much yeah. Susie, you do so many things like you're you're managing so much stuff like part of me has a little sense of go me yeah you know like for managing it yeah. all like look look at me you can keep throwing stuff yeah. at me and it will stick and i will yeah. and i will get it done and even and the, it actually that is not that's not good well, it's not sustainable and no. i think as well even the question that people will often ask is so how are things are you busy like are you busy being a positive oh, that's a good thing yeah, yeah. <laughs> which of course being you know being busy and fulfilled in a fulfilled way where you're f- feeling like actually i'm getting a lot out of this and it's a it's a healthy level of busyness great where it's a level of busyness where actually you're spinning a plate and spinning a plate and not actually feeling like a you're achieving anything but b you're you know, health might be deteriorating or you may just be feeling stressed all the time. That is not unhappy. a healthy, or mm. unhappy. That's not a healthy level of mm. busyness. And I think, you know, there's this real culture of busyness that is dangerous. And I think people are quite often at the point of burnout and don't then know what they can do about it until it reaches a point where they have to go okay I need to put everything down or I need to start putting things down like I said for me it was a it was a health issue that came up that I just thought I I need to my body everything is telling me my my mind my mind my body is telling me I need to find a different pace Mm -hmm. to go in this world because I can't sustain operating in this world at this momentous pace Right. It just is relentless. What was the final straw that broke the camel's back that made you kind of... Because I'm not there yet, put it that way. And, and I think there's a get, lot of people yeah. out there who are still running as fast as they can, yeah. collecting, you know, collecting the coins like yeah. Sonic, jumping yeah. up, I'll get this, I'll get that, I'll get yeah. that, you know. And, and again, like every time you collect a coin, <laughs> you think, yay! Yeah. You know, I, um, so there's... Most people listening, I think, will not have reach that peak of yeah whatever that peak of burnout was and what was that for you for me it was a series of panic attacks right so I had a fairly severe panic attack actually while I was driving with my children in the back of the car um that knocked me for six I didn't know it was a panic attack I actually thought I was dying which sounds very Mm. dramatic but I think anyone who's experienced panic attacks will know how that feels. Mm-hmm. Um, I, in my specific case, I thought I was choking. Right. Um, and I, I, I did literally think that it, it felt did you feel extremely like you were phys- Yeah, it felt like somebody had their hands around my throat. Right. It, was ex- it was so much more of a physical 
sensation than I expected. Mm. I didn't know that that's what panic attacks felt like. And they will, they do feel different for different people. Right. And obviously everybody's point of burnout will be different for different people. For me, it was panic attacks and it wasn't, there was the one panic attack. And then what happened afterwards was for about a week, I had a ripple effect of kind of smaller panic attacks on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. So that was enough for me to go to the doctor and go, right, what's going on here? Which yeah. I thought was a health issue because I thought I had something in my throat. Actually, what it was, was um, severe anxiety mm-hmm. and panic disorder. Um, and those were words that I wasn't expecting to hear and I didn't know. We're going to go into the next song, um, which I love, and go, and then we're going to come back to Helen and talk about this severe anxiety straight after this amazing london grammar so we get back to the helen so we um got to the point where you had reached that horrific incident in the car it just was the you know you felt like you were dying felt you were choking it had reached an absolute pinnacle of hideousness yeah um enough was enough so you went to the doctor and you were diagnosed with severe anxiety tell us what happened next so when the gp said that um i initially was like no i don't think you've heard me properly i've got this thing in my throat that is a Mm. physical issue (laughs) yeah i'm not making this and not that it's about making it up i think what i really really struggled with and i didn't even know was a thing until i've now learned lots about anxiety and i should say as well i think we said this at the beginning that my experiences are very much from a lived perspective you know this is so this is kind of my experience of anxiety um But what I didn't know was how physical anxiety can feel. I thought anxiety, I understood anxiety to be worries, intrusive thoughts, um, kind of catastrophizing, all of the things that you can imagine in your mind. What I didn't know was that anxiety manifests itself so strongly in the body Mm -hmm. to the point where it feels so physical. I mean, you can see me now. <laughs> I'm kind of, you know, a, a kind of a, a ball of my fist is in a ball because that's how anxiety feels to me, often in my stomach or in my throat. And the very physical sensations of having the panic attack were that I was literally shaking from head to toe. My mm-hmm. entire body was shaking. Yeah. Um, so your natural first go-to is almost like I'm having a fit. Well, I'm, I'm having, having a fit. A heart I'm attack. choking. I'm having something. I'm, yeah. Something physical. You're something. not attaching it to what you no. previously would think is a, is a mental health problem. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So when I went to the doctors and she said, "This sounds to me like it's severe anxiety, and what I think you need is talking therapy." I can never forget her words. They were exactly those words, and I just looked at her as if I, oh, I think you've missed yeah. the trick here. Mm. Like there's something physical going on here this isn't anxiety mm. so it took me I need a long medicine yeah i, I was need, like when yeah. when are you booking me in for the scans yeah. and uh, surely i need some sort of operation because there's something going on in my throat um so I, it took me a while to really trust that process and when i say it took me a while what i later went on to discover was that i actually had health anxiety because i didn't believe her so I went to go and get a second opinion I also didn't believe the second opinion so I I then went privately to get a third opinion from a GP and then I saw a consultant and then I ended up going down that road of kind of I think the anxiety was making the physical symptoms worse Mm -hmm. and then the physical symptoms were then feeding my anxiety so everything was just this circular um because going round and round and round 
and this was going on for months. So this was over the course mm. of, this was before COVID. This was over the summer of 2019. Because the answer that you thought you were going to get and you were expecting and the only one that made sense to you probably, yeah. like, and I know you so well, so I kind of know this already, but yeah. was that you were expecting someone to say, there's something in your throat, there's yeah. a tumour, there's a cancer, there's, there's, there's something, something there. There's something so you there. were expecting a physical diagnosis to, yeah. uh, to, to explain the physical issues you were having. Yeah. And yeah. in some ways, obviously, you are massively relieved that it's anxiety, yeah. but that doesn't feel... I say just in massively inverted commas to say it's just anxiety because actually anxiety I think is misunderstood I think quite often you know people may sometimes use the word anxious when they mean nervous anxiety is a clinical diagnosis Mm -hmm. it is something that is very real for the people that experience it and that was what took me a long time to get my head around and I after having all of these scans and x-rays and blah 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 got to a point of okay I've I can't just keep going around in these circles I should say as well I was referred for talking therapy but at the time the waiting list was 12 months Mm -hmm. so I couldn't wait that long to get better I was like I'm gonna have to start taking some action myself um had the final scan and they said there really is nothing there and I thought okay I'm gonna have to just start getting back on with my life Mm -hmm. and learning to live with anxiety um and then this is kind of where it all led to the slowdown collective Mm. was then the things that I put in place for myself to just live life at a slower pace um to be able to then kind of you know carry on doing all the things that I wanted to do Mm. but keeping the anxiety under control how did you know that that is what you needed to do I think because I didn't know that there was any other way. I kind of thought if I keep going at the pace I was going at before, I was so scared about having another panic attack. I think that was the thing. And I know that leading up to that So you were scared to to push yourself to a limit again where you might have. And you felt in your heart, because I do think that we we know, usually like inside ourselves, we do know what what is going on. Like I always make a silly joke and I shouldn't but I say a joke all the time I'm going to have a heart attack I'm going to have a stroke one day mm. because I know that the pace I go at is yeah. not sustainable yeah um so you knew inherently like in that 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 it was the pace that you'd been going at which then had led to that awful yeah. incident I just so knew. You knew then you needed to yeah. slow down I knew that work was going to there was too much going on from a work perspective I knew that I was rushing around. I knew that I was making no time for myself. That was the key thing. There was zero time in my day or in my week for for me. And I was so scared because that panic attack felt so Mm. frightening. I was so scared to have another panic attack that I thought things have got to change. My workload has got to get lighter. I've got to start prioritising myself because nobody, the sad fact is nobody else will prioritise you. Mm. (laughs) Nobody else will. No. Um, even the people that love you the most. Yep. You know, you have got to prioritise yourself. And so, and you kind of want someone else to save you. I think yeah. if I think about me, I think eventually once somebody else will see that I am going to have a heart attack yeah. and they will stop me. And they'll yeah. put something in place but for actually, you. actually, everybody around you is also going at 100 miles an hour exactly. and no one's looking at you. Exactly. I, I think that's, you know, 
that's only I mean, my mum constantly tells me to slow down because yeah. she actually is looking at me yes. you know but yeah. but because it's my mum you don't listen you're like <laughs> what do you know you don't yeah. you don't live my life you don't know how it is yeah you know you don't have you never had three children I don't. so you yeah. and I think as well for me it's about slow moments mm. so what I don't ever want people to kind of misunderstand is that you know the slow down collective is just about dropping all your kind of you know dropping all your work mm. and responsibilities and actually all you do is you know kind of walk mm. <laughs> or do yoga or do all the and that's all you do all day long for me it's not about that it's about finding the slow moments in your day-to-day yeah so your day-to-day may look fairly similar to how it has before but where can you introduce some slower moments to your day mm. to just reset to bring the pace down to to operate at a level where you feel where it's much more manageable and actually i think those things can sometimes feel completely unachievable but they're a lot more achievable i believe they're a lot more achievable than we kind of believe they are so i i'd love to hear what you think some of those slow moments could be like what are your suggestions for what that is um from my own experience i know that meditation is absolutely key to my health my mental health and to actually the outcome of my entire life and and you know everything yeah that's where i will vibrate at my highest and therefore attract the best things into my life and sorry to take that onto a spiritual kind of level but it 100% works for me Mm -hmm. vibrating higher and more happily I get much more positive things back so this morning I set my alarm earlier set it for six just so that I could sit up in bed and then I did a half an hour meditation because up and I've been saying that I'll do that though for about six months mm. but I haven't I'm like I haven't got time there's yeah. no way can't go to bed can't do, 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 do there's no time you know and I thought actually unfortunately the only way for me to do it is to set the alarm earlier yeah. but that also means making another more healthy choice which is going to bed earlier yeah. so those two things hand in hand actually yeah. are really positive for me bed at 10 up at 6 half an hour meditation yeah and then get on with the day yeah um but for you what are those what do you mean when you're saying are you talking about those things yes so 100% agree with meditation in fact I had an appointment this morning and I got there five minutes early and I waited in the car um and I did a three minute meditation which sounds super like short it doesn't matter it's still stopping absolutely so um one thing that I massively recommend is the calm app Mm. so I have the calm app and I use it daily um some people use it for sleep thankfully touch word I've never had too much of a problem with sleep I think because you know we're family we've got families and we're tired by the time Mm -hmm. we get to bed that i i don't tend to have a problem with sleep um and i just want to jump in there because a good friend of mine um and actually a lot of people i know are finding that their anxiety is manifesting in the night yes um and i actually find that for me i am somebody that wakes up regularly in the night with horrific anxiety i will spend two hours just ruminating over what i think is the such worst case scenario stuff and i can't rationalize in the middle of the night and it gets out of control and then then the problem is though in the morning when i eventually do i'll go into some horrific deep sleep then after that Mm -hmm. um well it's a really good sleep from a recuperation point of view but um then i'll wake up at say whatever time and this is one of the reasons i haven't been able to set the alarm and get up early i've been mm-hmm. setting the alarm i just haven't been able to get up because i am then exhausted mm-hmm. from this two-hour worry fest that yeah. i've had in the middle of the night of this irrational stuff yeah and even though in the morning i feel 
crikey, that was irrational. And mm. I'm aware of it. Mm-hmm. I'm still I've got this horrific hangover yep. from that terrible night's sleep, which yeah. then goes into my day. And then, it, then you know, some of the stuff plays out of like feeling what I'm negative, feeling worried about, because it's not ever to do with nothing. Like I'll worry about cash flow. Yeah. I'll worry about you know are things building in the business in the way that they need to that they should be where should I be right now yeah. this horrible thing of yeah. like where, where should I where should I be mm-hmm. I should be where I am right now that's what I need yes. to keep reminding myself but in the middle of the night I'm thinking but then some of that stuff will play out as real stuff in the day yeah and it will come back and replay and then and then exactly the same thing happens the next night so for it, just to say, I suppose, that for some people, Absolutely. it's coming out in one way and for other people, it's coming out in this and that's, insomniac yeah, kind of way. Exactly. And that's the thing with anxiety is it, it's, um, it will affect people in very, mm. very different ways, different physical ways, different mental ways, different times of the day. Um, and everything is worse at night isn't it? Mm. Everything is worse in the middle of the night. It feels worse. It, you feel it, hopeless. You, can yeah. feel like you can't progress. You can't, you feel inactive. Yeah. I read something the other day and I, I don't have any of the stats, but there is something, um, there's some scientific reasons behind why things feel worse at night. So it's, it's a real thing. Um, but yes, so meditation on that point, um, is something that I massively recommend. The Calm app is great for that. What I really like about the Calm app is that you can set it for timed meditation. So if you've only got two minutes, if you've only got three minutes, or if you've got 15 minutes, you can time it. Um, you can set it to a particular time. So meditation is one thing that for me is a slow moment. Absolutely. Um, another thing, and I guess kind of speaking to all of the um, kind of busy parents out there, is that any I know that if I'm doing one thing I'm also doing two or three other Mm -hmm. things so if I'm boiling the kettle I don't stand there for three minutes or my you know my autopilot is going oh I might as well fill the dishwasher while I'm here or I might as well empty the washing out and put the put a load on the line or I might you know so you're always doing two or three things at once one of my slow moments is absolutely if I'm doing one thing if I'm putting some beans in the microwave really simple example I am not doing anything else other than putting those beans in the microwave and, you know, waiting for that to happen mm. before I do the next thing. I remember you doing squats. Yeah, at one point. Yeah. It was even, or you know, doing a few um, exercises, Stretches. just doing something, yeah. Even kind of just... Standing. Just standing, breathing, just stopping and breathing Crikey, for those 60 seconds. Remember that? <laughs> remember that? We remember did that in like the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> Crikey. Um... So yeah, that's another slow moment. When you're doing something, stop. Mm. Actually just stop. Um, And my ultimate slow moment is walking, which we can maybe talk about as well. (laughs) 100%. Okay, we're going to come back to Helen straight after this. You lift my heart up When the rest of me is down You, you enchant me Go of you I will let go, I will let go Oh my gosh, 
gosh, that's amazing. So that is the House Gospel Choir. And Helen and I actually um, first came across this amazing choir when we went to watch the Diary of a CEO, Stephen Bartlett, in, in Birmingham, didn't we? Did. Like, was it last year? Yeah. They, uh, it was such an incredible show. They were basically his backing singers almost. You know, he wasn't obviously singing, but it was so moving. They lifted the entire thing. It was so emotional. We were crying. Yeah. Weren't we? They are, I mean, go on Spotify and find the House Gospel Choir just incredible so powerful yeah love it um so we were talking before the show today about um the fact that anxiety i don't want to talk about it like it's a thing of the past like it's something you can click a finger Mm -hmm. or take something and and it can go away and in fact what we were talking about was the fact was that you had felt like over the last few years that you had got a huge grip on it and that mm-hmm. you know that you'd read all the things and done all the things yeah and you know with the slow down collective as you just discussed with us with all those practices that you have like put into your into your practice into your day yeah. that actually you were you know not a recovered yeah. but like that you really felt in such a stronger place and yet yeah today once again you were completely floored by yeah. something yeah. that reminded you that actually anxiety in a way is dormant you know that it and it can spike up at any time yeah and absolutely yeah I think that's the um anxiety is a bit of a trickster in that way I think you feel like from my experience you feel like you've got it under control and you can feel like you've got all the tools and the coping mechanisms in place and you can feel you know really good and you can be going about your life and you can be dealing with things um but what I've learned to um accept or I'm still learning to accept let's be honest is that I think anxiety is always going to be there the way, the way that I've read I've heard it described before that I think really um spoke to me that made sense to me was that if you were the driving if you're driving the car um anxiety is most often in the passenger seat alongside you mm. <laughs> um and the more that I accept that that is how it's going to be you know I would love one day to click a finger and for all my anxieties to be to have to have gone Me to too. have disappeared yeah. um but until that happens then anxiety is in the passenger seat and I've got to learn to live with anxiety being there mm-hmm. and um find ways to deal with it and mm. yeah, I mean, I've had a very real experience today. Mm. Um, I, I, like I said earlier, um, realised or was told and was treated for health anxiety. So I didn't even know health anxiety was a thing with mm. the title, two capitals, health anxiety. You know, yeah. I didn't know that that was a thing. I realised, obviously, people can get anxious about their health. Um and so I've been treated for health anxiety. And so I had um, CBT, which is cognitive behavioural therapy on the NHS, which you can self-refer for on the IAPTS website. Um, I can't remember what IAPTS stands for exactly, but it's I-A-P-T-S. Um, so you can self-refer and be um, most likely there'll be waiting lists for um CBT therapy, cognitive behavioural therapy. Um, But that did help me kind of put some measures in place to be able to 
kind of rationalize the health anxiety that I had mm. at that time, which was kind of pre-COVID and during COVID, obviously, that was a time where, you know, a lot of people would have experienced a huge amount of health anxiety mm. during a global pandemic. Yeah. Um, so I was actually, just thinking about that. That is actually because that is a really key moment, I think, which did highlight probably where some people who had that health anxiety because I certainly spotted mm. um, you among a group of people who felt fu- I don't want to undermine how I felt about it or anybody else but there were a group of us that were kind of okay with the fact of, of it and then a group who were really really not okay yeah who actually yeah. felt very fearful yeah of covid yeah um i just found it a pain in the backside you know yeah. it, was, it, was irrit- it was an irritant for me it, got, it closed my business and it got in the way yeah um i i and we were talking about this just before the show i have never ever taken my anxiety to the point of well i'm gonna die mm. and my children are going to be left without a parent mm. whereas just to let's let's make this real for people that is where your your brain goes yeah. when you're talking about yeah, health anxiety it does it's catastrophizing absolutely yeah. it's the what if what, what ifs what ifs what ifs all bundling up to the absolute worst case scenario yeah. and um catastrophizing is a very real mm. thing it fe- it feels very real um no matter how much you rationalize it um some of the CBT techniques that I was taught did massively help, but mm. I think what's surprising me over the years as well is that you constantly have to put the work in to make sure that you don't relapse. Yep. And actually, if you don't... It's like those fitness, things, isn't it? Well, it's like fitness. It's, it's health, like it's alcohol. It's like, yeah. you know, it's like any... Yeah. You have um, to keep working at it to keep that muscle strong. Completely. You know, and to stop your... A, a relapse so if, if you're you know inclined to, yeah to, you know it's not something you can snub out yeah and this is where again anxiety is a trickster like mm. i said before because you can feel like you're fine you can feel like you're you know going about your day-to-day life and actually i'm feeling all right at the moment you know i've had talking therapy um i've had a therapist that i've spoken to and some weeks i've thought oh god am i wasting this time because i'm feeling mm. all right at the moment but actually it's in those moments where you're feeling all right that you shouldn't forget to do all of the things that actually keep you being okay because then when you don't feel okay and something kind of sideswipes you you've got you've got that resilience um i remember when i was listening to your show with um liz yeah she talked about resilience and and i think that's something that you know you really need to build up if you are somebody who has who you know and either anxiety disorders or anxious dispositions um it's yeah that resilience will help you and this is me talking as somebody who is still learning how to do it you know interesting yeah so we talked a bit a minute ago about how um you know for you so this is something that's never happened for me like I have never gone to that nth degree I have a little when I've gone on an aeroplane I have thought "Mm, what if you know what if something happens on an aeroplane and you know I'm not with my children and you know that's when I start thinking about that yeah not through covid never when I get a cold never when I get a headache which is you know not but to belittle but you had suffered over the last few weeks with a headache and then instead of believing it to be the tension headache which is eventually what has been diagnosed three times by three different people again yeah um you did rush off in your mind to this worst case scenario and think my children are going to be left without mum yeah horrible situation and why wouldn't anybody not panic about that so let's 
if you don't mind let's yeah. go backwards and i do know the story so yeah. i'm going to be delicate yeah um let's go backwards as to where you think this may have come from because yeah. nearly everything about us as humans is coming from a place of childhood yeah. isn't it we know this now and yeah. i'm reading so much about all of this all the time so what happened for you in childhood or in your earlier years that you think has now led to where yeah. we are today so the biggest significant event that happened when i was young was um I was seven when my dad died. And when I had my panic attacks in recent years, it reminded me that the last time I'd had that sort of feeling mm -hmm. was when I was around nine, 10, 11. Yeah. And actually, if that was a panic attack now, I've also had panic attacks when I was little. Yes. <laughs> um, and also look what they were about. They well, were Exactly. You're panicking now yeah. about not being around for for, ch for your child. Yeah, exactly. And as a child, you were going through that. Yeah, that I was feeling completely. So obviously, the loss of my dad. It was. Um, it's just it was an accident. Was yeah. yeah. So it was not expected. It was an accident. It happened. Um, literally, a case of there one day and not the next. Um, and everyone deals with things in their own ways when it comes to these mm -hmm. um, sorts of kind of tragic events. Um, and our family's way of dealing with it was to kind of just carry on as best they could. Everybody was just trying to get through the days. Mm -hmm. um, what that meant for some of the members of our family was that it was never really talked about. Yeah. So it wasn't... And so I just, as bizarre as it sounds everybody else is just kind of getting on so I'll just get on and not really talk about it mm -hmm. and it was it seriously wasn't until I was in my kind of early 20s that I thought I think I might need to talk to somebody about this yeah because that seems like it was a pretty huge thing that happened that and yet under the car nobody really yeah. talked about it and I've since learned that nobody talked about it because nobody wanted to upset upset each other and actually like I said everyone was just trying to get through the day so obviously it's a hugely significant life event. There's the loss of my dad. And then there's the knock-on effect, which is the worry of what if something happens to my mum? Yeah. And Oh my gosh, of course. Yeah. So that is where all of my, I believe, and I am in my own therapy, <laughs> yeah. um, where a lot of my anxiety has come from, mm. is that I spent a lot of time as a child worrying um i mean i can i can remember every time she left the house you know I, coming home I, but, yeah. yeah i'm absolutely especially my as stomach, it was I'm an accident home. i yeah. know just so for everybody listening <laughs> i'm watching helen's body language here she's constantly putting her hand to yeah. her stomach so you know to her sacral yeah um where emo emotions are stored yeah. basically yeah so my anxiety very much yeah. lives in my stomach or yeah. my throat and i think you know i can remember my mum very innocent nights out she might be going for a meal with a friend mm. and my nana was looking after us and I can still remember a suit like feeling sick to my stomach with anxiety I didn't know it was that at the time obviously with anxiety and worry and not sleeping but pretending I was asleep because you know my nana mm. was downstairs and she had sent me I was up in bed and, and until I could hear my mum's footsteps coming up to the front door literally everything would just go Ah, oh, I'm relaxed. Yeah. It's okay. Mm -hmm. 
but I didn't know any other way of being. No. Obviously, I kind of suspected that that wasn't right. But as a nine, ten, eleven-year-old, what are you going to no. say? Who are you going to say it to? And other than saying, "Um, you know, I was a little bit worried when you went out last night." Well, yeah. you know, she came you've, back, and <laughs> you've told me in the past that nobody else—not—it wasn't just the family, but no one spoke to you about it. Your friends have no. never no. spoken to you about it, and I'm and not that they're not amazing best friends, but friends didn't speak to you. No, um, the school never spoke to you. No. no one spoke to you. It was, and so you, no one helped you. No one allowed you to have a voice about this. And you know, I know for a fact that the truth. Uh, well, I say no. This for a fact. This is like a bit woo woo in a way. But your, your throat. You're not speaking mm. your truth. You haven't yeah. spoken out. Your throat is closed. Yeah. You know, and yeah. it's. Um, uh, a very real thing for me um and i mine manifests in other ways yeah. as well but it's interesting isn't it mm. and you would never allowed that to have that voice or, yeah. to ha- or to allow that motion out we've also talked about how you spent your whole life then seeing the world as a very scary place like yeah. uh, every everything uh, there's a threat around every corner tell every, us about ev- that everything felt frightening um and i think it's funny because I almost, there's parts of my life where I did really adventurous things. So I, between um, sixth form and university, I did a, a gap year and I went off to China and I taught English yeah. in China and I traveled around China and I and I did that. And I've done other, I've, t- I've done an expedition to parts of the world and I've done things that kind of on paper and well, in reality, I suppose, are, are quite adventurous it doesn't look like a person it doesn't look like a person that's anxious does it at all um and yet i and i think this is mostly um a product of having children i think once you have children you also see the world in a different Mm. in a different with a different lens but i've almost got that mother mothering (laughs) lens of seeing the world plus all the anxiety on top of it which means that unless I kind of keep myself in check and put all of these balances and things in place, then, yeah, the world is an extremely frightening place. Mm-hmm. And I will always go to the um, worst-case scenario. I will always catastrophize. As much as I try not to, mm. it's my default um, kind of position is to think, well, what's the worst that's going to happen here? Yeah. And, you know, it wasn't until I was kind of in my own therapy... And this came out about my dad quite a few weeks into the therapy. And he said, well, is it really any wonder that you're an ang- that you have this anxiety? You know, this is what happened when you were a young child and nobody spoke to you about it. And it's not an excuse, but, you know, this was the 80s. And ch- you didn't send a child off to a counsellor after something significant like that had happened. You just didn't. It, wa- it wasn't even you know an, an option no, so it was but, never talked about but also about. look your mum probably never went for counselling either because it wasn't no. something you talked about no, she never spoke to anybody depression mental health bereavement it just no. was dealt with yeah. in your own way you just yeah. as a family you just crack on and so carry you, and you on you have had the knock on effect of a person then yeah. that hadn't that, that you were living with that wasn't going through therapy like yeah. we are today like we people would today yeah. that wasn't spoken about so, so you're a child of somebody who was dealing with something enormous yeah a young woman yeah. who lost her partner yeah. suddenly in a heartbeat. Exactly. And with three children. With three children yeah. to deal with. You know, that's like us today. And so you're also, like, by proxy almost, having that f- 
um, that, to, well, you're having someone else's emotions to deal with yeah. too because she won't have known how to process that in a way other than close down shut up put up sort of which other than let's just get through each day yeah let's just get through each mm. day as best we can and yeah. everybody around me you know you I, I have mom. to say yeah, yeah exactly it was a very loving family Absolutely. and you know all of our family the kind of extended family but everybody was just so massively affected by it mm. you know my dad had brothers he's had parents he had you know mm. so he had three children and he had a wife you know yeah. so there's there's there was a, a huge amount of people that and there was a lot of love that absolutely was but there was no words no. <laughs> there was never any words spoken um and actually with some of the relationships I have with some of my family members, there's still no words still that are no spoken words. about it. Still barrier. Yeah. yeah. And this is thirty five years later. So And I want other people to also understand um how some of the things that I see which are, you know, happening for you in everyday life where you do see fears you've told me before, you know, you will drive everywhere, you'll never get the train. <laughs> yeah. Things yeah. like that. Yeah. You know, th- those are Abs- real things that are yeah. still you know, even though you know all these things in place to deal with your anxiety they think that it's it's in a box and it's been you know yeah it's, it's in its dormant place yeah those fears are still every day absolutely parts of your life where you yeah I don't know if there's anything else like that but. yeah so I think um there may be other people that can relate to this as well because I think once you start talking about anxiety to people quite often they'll go oh yeah I, I don't do that either or I would never you know because yeah. they are limiting their lives in some ways mm. I'm and I think awareness is the first step so I am very aware of the way in which I limit my life mm-hmm. and keep my world and keep yeah. it small I think post-covid I found it very difficult to go back into the world and I am still finding ways to properly properly operate in the world Mm. so the trains is a good example i mean trains tubes just out of the question never happening right i mean let's hope it does one day but um Mm. yeah trains tunnels nope Uh, just i i can't imagine getting on a train but you know so you'll never go on the eurostar i mean i have been on it i have this is a thing did you hate it (laughs) Uh, yeah but I did it yeah and see this is there's a there's an element of before and after isn't there Mm. there's kind of uh well I've done it before so I could do it again but I yeah Mm -hmm. it wouldn't be my comfort zone no um so yeah I'm very much still a work in progress I'm still learning to find my way through some of these anxieties and some of the things that you limit your life around so for example and I can do it again now but straight after covid um I would get really nervous going into a building I'd never been in before, which sounds bizarre, but like say a hotel. So a lift, I would never go. I mean, still lifts are a no-no for me. Right. Yeah. Um, But if you said to me, okay, Helen, this afternoon we're going to go on a train and we're going to go down and meet a client in Soho. I'd be like, okay, I need to Google the building. I need to Google the route. I need to Google, I need to check. There was a point at which I had to go to London for work and I had to meet a client on the 27th floor of a building and I googled when the lifts were last um, uh, maintained, the like where the lifts are in the building, how many security guards there are, if there's stairwells. I mean, this sounds extreme. This sound, I know, I can see your face. I know. I, I, you haven't never told me this. No, I know. No. This is a new one. <laughs> I was like, wow. Um, but not in a this is what anxiety can do to you if you are so deeply scared of something Mm. um, yes this 
parts of this may be fear. One is, I think one is fear, which is a fear of lifts. But then there is the anxious build-up to it. But every fear which, has got a root cause, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Mm. So, um, and I share these stories, I guess, because I know that when I was Googling lift shafts and I was looking at... Um, you know, routes to get places and how many tunnels there are. I did, I did it recently. I was, me and my brother went to the O2 for a gig and I knew that to drive there, you had to go under the Black Hole Tunnel. Yeah. And I was like, well, I need to Google how long it'll take under the Black Hole Tunnel because I'm not comfortable doing that. Yeah. So this is still happening. And I suppose when I was doing those things, I would think, oh God, like it's me. Like there's, there's only me doing this. Mm. <laughs> but... So you felt alone in the world with this thought. I think anxiety you makes that you other feel were, very, yeah, got it or understood, or no, at least, or no one else was doing it. Well, nobody else yeah. is googling lift yeah. shafts. <laughs> yeah, but you thought, yeah, but people do, and people have yeah. their own worries, and people will catastrophize, and people will have things that will play on their minds, and and then intrusive thoughts come into the mix as well. So I'm sharing these stories because they are. It's the world in which I live in. Yeah. And it feels very, very real. And of course, it feels vulnerable to say these things, but I hope that other people can identify with it. Definitely. Okay, we'll be back with Helen just after this little break. Thank you, Helen. It's, um, it's been awesome. Um, I'm just massively conscious of time. My little girl's poorly today, so I'm going to have to go and um, relieve Rob from childcare duties really soon. But because I know this conversation can go on for another hour, there's certain things I really don't want to miss. And um, and I'd love to have you back so that we can deep dive you another time about other things. So let's let's bring ourselves to the present day. Yeah. And I did uh, allude to it earlier, but you've had some twists and changes. And um, so tell us what is Slowdown doing right now and yeah. what's coming next? So Slowdown, the company, the business, Slowdown Collective has morphed over time. And so at the moment, it's really um, a place where I share my experiences of, of anxiety. And I also share my walks, my love of walking. So um, I walk daily um, around Stony Stratford, around the river. And, and we're so um, lucky to have this, aren't we? On so our doorsteps. Lucky. I don't think we know how lucky we are. No, it's an absolute mm. godsend and I I do count walking as I said before as one of my kind of coping mechanisms mm-hmm. I can't imagine not walking daily now but it's like a um, walking meditation as well isn't it that's yeah. exactly well I, I either refer to it as walking therapy Lovely. or walking meditation because yeah. it's so powerful for me in lots of different ways um, and I could do a whole podcast I think <laughs> or an episode just talking about how beneficial walking is for your mind and your body and everything um, so I do offer um uh, walking, uh, kind of, I call them social strolls, um, which I do um, around Buckinghamshire. And I'm also going to be partnering and collaborating with some other communities to bring some walking events. Um, so they'll be listed on the Instagram and on the website. So that is the Slowdown Collective. Um, but then also, in terms of my kind of career change, um, so my natural curiosity over time has I say obviously but 
has always been to understand more about mental health and particularly with anxiety to understand more about anxiety and a few years ago that led me the first kind of part of that was that I volunteered with Samaritans so I was a um, volunteer listener as they call them um, for the Samaritans uh, based in Fishmead in Milton Keynes and I did that for three years um, and that was a really good kind of first step into the world of mental health. And then since then, I did some mental health first aid training, which again was more for me, really. It wasn't, I didn't really plan to go out and deliver mental health first aid training. It was really to aid my understanding of mental health and how to support people and signpost people to additional resources. Um, and I think I've followed my curiosity while I've been working. So I, I still, I have a kind of day job. Um, but that curiosity has led me over time to really looking at furthering my understanding and wanting to be able to help people. Um, so from, I've been doing since January a counselling um, course, which I've thoroughly enjoyed. So I've been doing a therapeutic counselling skills course, which comes to an end this month. And then from September, I'm going to be a student again, and I'm going to be doing a psychotherapy master's, which seems like a huge step. Um, but I'm really, really excited about it. And I, what I want over time is to, well, obviously it's part-time, it takes time, it takes between three to five years, um, so that I can support people with talking therapy who, um, I just, I, I see so much need for it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I don't think that there are enough therapists out there. There clearly isn't enough no. when you've got waiting lists of 12 months for, to speak to people. Yeah. Um, and yeah. It feels so inaccessible, doesn't it? For, there's so yeah. many people that need it and there seems to be so many, so few resources or, yeah. or, or access points, especially because if you're not going to get it through the NHS, it has sometimes at an inaccessible price point it's for expensive. people. Um, especially during a cost of living crisis, which exactly. is actually probably exacerbating anxiety yeah. and the need for it. It's exactly. just a vicious cycle, isn't it? Yeah. I just think you're going to be incredible at this. Thank you. I love that, I love that you came up with the the thought of doing it. And again, I take myself back to the kitchen table moment where it was like the light bulb went off and you and it was like, this is you. This yeah. is what you're doing. This is amazing. I'll never forget that was a pivotal moment that Aww. was joining that um, webinar and going, were, yep. This is, this is what I'm going to do. And I could just see your face like, oh, it's just <laughs> everything. Um, I can't feel, figure out ways to segment this in, so I'm just going to say it. Um, there was a point that we've discussed quite a few times over the last couple of weeks, um, and it's so key to me because of how I feel about how we can eat ourselves well and, yeah. and how actually what we eat is also, um, and our health from a point of um, nutrition point of view, you know, if you can cast your mind back, guys, to the to the episode we had with Liz, and I will put it in the uh, show notes um, <laughs> um, because I do think it's related. Um, we talked about how we, as especially as women, have drugged ourselves to an extent and yeah. uh, we drugged ourselves throughout our whole lives um with the contraceptive pill that so many of us I, me included went on from 15 yeah. um and you might have gone on that because you might have been in a relationship that you perhaps shouldn't have been in when you're 15 um but um or because you were advised to go on it because of quite horrific pms pmt yeah. symptoms um so the doctor prescribed um the pill yeah 
what's happening now in our 40s is it's happening again with HRT mm-hmm. we get these f- symptoms of change and we don't know how to deal with it so our first thought is let's get the pill let's sort of yeah. get another pill which is an HRT type pill yeah. um, and let's cover that let's let's sort it out with yeah. some masked drug in you know put a plaster um, over yeah, it yeah let's put another plaster over it yeah. and if, if, if actually yes it's an actual plaster so something that Liz said um, made really resonated with you didn't yeah. it and that yeah. was so we because I felt it as well since I had my children I've not gone back on the pill so I stopped in my 20s like late 20s and then so I've spent most of my 30s and early 40s now I'm in 42 feeling um uh bat s-h-i-t crazy (laughs) um and I was like what on earth's wrong with me is this something to do with my age like why have I gone mad is it because I can't cope with life what yeah. is going on and then Liz said that yeah. thing that yeah. you then messaged me and were like oh my god Susie yeah I was out on a walk <laughs> and I was listening to your show with Liz and it was a huge light bulb moment and I think I've always just as somebody who is curious about anxiety and trying to understand it and trying to kind of figure out how come it's reared its head again and I think you know, I've beaten myself. The thing about anxiety is that it kind of throws all self-compassion out of the window. You really beat yourself up as well for feeling the way that you feel because you feel like you shouldn't feel that way. Yeah. And so I've had those moments where I've gone, well, what, how did I have a career? How did, was I this like successful corporate person in my 20s and 30s? And I did all these things and I traveled and I, you know, how did I do all of that if I was anxious? And so hearing Liz talk about the fact that when we're on the pill obviously it's you know it's hormones and you're yeah. it's balancing everything out and it's masking it's masking all of our things, symptoms yeah which means uh, but we're still sorry i don't want to cut mm. in I'm, just, I'm so conscious rob's gonna kill me because i'm so <laughs> late but we're so um, basically we are doing things eating things that don't like that our body doesn't like so we are exacerbating our horm- hormone yeah. imbalances by having too much sugar too much dairy if our bodies don't like it too much of something that our bodies don't like that we're not balancing out for example yeah so then we just go right pill we'll pop the pill in yeah. we'll take that that will push all those symptoms down and away but in the background Completely. we're still eating that stuff we're yeah. still drinking excessively yeah. we're doing all and the you're things. still having all the stresses yeah. as and well and stresses. your anxiety may be much yeah. better managed because you're taking all of wow. these hormones we think yeah so yeah. we so we take the hormones to balance it all out yeah then we stop taking the pill yeah. the, after we've had children and then obviously we're still got these habits that we've created in our lives they're not bad bad habits but they're just habits that don't necessarily work with our hormones yeah and then we don't understand why we're bsc like i just said yeah um we don't understand why we're feeling mental feeling like uh, like out of control why we cross why we rage you know and actually why we suddenly have emotions when we were teenagers yeah so you just showed me something Davina McCall is um working on right now which is about the pill revolution and I just think that's probably going to talk in a lot more detail about what we've just said but I know it's like it didn't really wasn't really related to what we were just talking about I just didn't want to end without mentioning that you know when we're in this sort of time of our lives we we might think that something's happened to yes. us and why are we out of control yeah and actually that could be a reason yeah it and might i think not be the whole reason yeah um and i think that's the kind of maybe the last point yeah <laughs> the, to make really that i wanted to say was that you know anxiety will find a way to make you feel really anxious obviously but then yeah. also to um kind of like I said, you'll lose all your self-compassion, so you'll beat yourself up as well. But there may be very good reasons for that. Definitely. And um, it's really important to not beat yourself up um, 
because there could be very there could be lots and lots of reasons mm. like the pill um the pill could be one of the things like yeah, just it was a real light bulb moment for me going hmm yeah interesting. but also overall and thank you so much for coming on and thank you for sharing this thank uh, you but overall you know those something really pivotal happened for you in childhood that has had an effect here and i hope that anybody listening might think gosh actually something happened to me and that does explain why i feel maybe why i feel now and perhaps it might encourage someone to start peeling back some of those onion layers yes i was talking to you about earlier so thank you helen you're wonderful thank you so much we can find you at um on instagram it's slowdown collective website slowdowncollective.com um and yeah look out for any local walks if you like like to join in wonderful thank you um thank you to everybody that's listening today um i'm Susie. i am the founder of wiki places for kids and the wiki mama network um which helen is a wonderful part of thank you helen <laughs> um i am here every wednesday one till two um thank you for jo- tuning in to the wiki mama collective um not wiki mama collective that's a bit of your business and mine that's fine uh, the wiki mama together. takeover <laughs> the wiki mama takeover um and for listening into the podcast i'm so grateful to you for all your support um i absolutely love this song so we're going to finish with this and um it's so positive and this one is also for you jill if you're listening back <laughs>